It's a tough lesson to learn in life, but just because you put forth a ton of effort doesn't mean that you're going to get the end result that you wanted. And South Carolina learned that lesson the hard way this past Saturday against Arkansas. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day we are free and available on youtube and of course wherever you get your podcast daily all right i don't want to take too long with the roadmap for today's show today's show is simple i'm going to give y'all a recap of how things sort of played out in this past weekend's ball game against the arkansas razorbacks starting off with the offense then working my way into the defense then talking about the play calling a little bit for both sides and then i'll give my quick initial thoughts on this upcoming weekend's matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs, which will surely be a really big test for the South Carolina Gamecocks. So let's go ahead and go right into things. Uh, First and foremost, credit to Arkansas. They were the better team this past Saturday. They showed that throughout the majority of this ball game. There were a few times where South Carolina did make things interesting, but at the end of the day, while it wasn't necessarily a blowout in Arkansas's favor, Arkansas had a comfortable margin for the majority of this ball game. And of course, there was a few different things that played into that outcome. So let's start off with the offense. Overall, compared to week one against Georgia State, I thought the offense was better in terms of sustaining drives. And I also thought that we did get some more explosive plays because of a lot of great uh, plays after the catch from both Antoine Wells Jr., and also Marshawn Lloyd, and I believe even Juju McDowell had a couple nice explosive plays as well. The offense does need to get more from some of the players that they have on that side of the ball, and they also have got to convert better in situational football plays. Let's start off with Spencer Rattler. Obviously, the big name that came to the South Carolina Gamecocks this past offseason had a shaky start in Week 1 against Georgia State. Quite frankly, y'all, same deal against Arkansas. I thought that Spencer Rattler had some decent plays where he was able to sit back in the pocket, find an open receiver, and allow the offense to sort of do what it is supposed to do. But I still think that there's too many times where Spencer Rattler, quite frankly, just is not settled down enough and isn't trusting every single position group on this offense. I'm not saying that there's trust issues with him in the offensive line. I'm not saying that there's trust issues with him in certain wide receivers. That's just purely the way that I am seeing things from watching this game. And I watched this game back yesterday afternoon, and there was a few things that I noticed. He didn't always throw to his underneath routes or check down options, which there were multiple plays where if he had looked for that receiver or running back and had done just that, South Carolina would have had a chance to convert on a couple of third downs or at least get some yards on a first or second down play. He also still has not gotten his presence in the pocket down in this pro-style offense. There were times where Spencer Rattler sat back in the pocket, 
way too long. And by the time he realized he needed to take off, he wouldn't take off maybe in the correct direction. And it would wind up being a sack, even though the offensive line gave him plenty of time to find an open receiver, which also could be an issue on the receivers and tight ends as well. But there was also times where Spencer Rattler maybe didn't sit back in the pocket long enough. He's not finding consistency with that facet of his game right now in this offense, he's got to get that corrected. The only way really that can get corrected is by him getting some more reps, some more time in this offense, which means he just is going to have to play a few more games in this season before he probably starts to get more comfortable with that aspect. Does that mean we're going to see a couple more games like we did this past Saturday? Probably so, but South Carolina fans, you're going to have to grin and bear it when those kind of plays do happen. He is by far the most talented quarterback out of our quarterback room right now. We got to give him some time to get adjusted to an offense that's way different from what he was running at Oklahoma. I will say this, you've got to hit some of those deep ball shots. He had three wide open shot plays to Amari and Brown, which could have scored six against this Arkansas Razorback secondary, which was very suspect at times, as I predicted this past week. But we weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities when they presented themselves. And quite frankly, all of them were on Spencer Rattler. Got to do better in that department as well. Moving on to the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Antoine Wells is showing up in a big way right now. He right now leads the SEC in receiving yards and is tied for the lead in receptions overall with Tennessee's Cedric Tillman. He had eight catches for 189 yards and one touchdown this past Saturday, which I believe included a 62 or 63-yard catch and run on a third and 17 in a third quarter, one of the biggest plays for the offense in the entire ball game. And it got the Gamecocks to within five points of the Arkansas Razorbacks. And it was a pivotal point where if the Razorbacks did not do anything with their next offensive drive, the Gamecocks could have had a chance to potentially take the lead in this game. Of course, unfortunately, it did not play out that way, but it wasn't because of Antoine Wells. Antoine Wells played real solid in this game. He also fought through, I believe, an ankle tackle attempt basically in the fourth quarter, getting about another 30 or 40 plus yards on a catch and run on that particular play. Antoine Wells is playing like crazy right now. It's great to see the James Madison transfer really showing up for this team. When looking at some of the other wide receivers, Josh Van Xavier Leggett, I don't know where these guys are at right now, and I don't know what's going on with them, but they're not really showing up in these games. They're not showing up on the stat sheet. I'm not seeing a whole lot of passes being thrown to these guys. When passes are being thrown to them, especially Van, more often than not, it seems like that they are covered. So I'm not sure what's going on there. If their timing's off with Spencer Rattler, maybe they need to get some more practice in, but I don't really know what else needs to be done in order to change that. Some of these guys in the receiver room have got to step up. Wells, Brooks, and Amarian Brown, they're stepping up right now. To carry on, Jordan's fighting through a calf injury or just coming back from a calf injury, so not really fair to him to hold anything against him. And, of course, a lot of these other guys, they're just not maybe ready yet to be a big-time part of this rotation. But these guys that I just mentioned, Van and Leggett, they have got to show up more in these games, period, end of story. When looking at the running backs, Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell deserve a lot more opportunities in the run game. I'll get into that later on in the show. Um, but I thought that they are really doing good with the opportunities that they are getting when they get some good blocking and they're doing good as pass catchers. I think Marshawn needs to get out in open space on some swing passes a lot more. And I think you'll see that as this season progresses, looking at the tight ends, Jaheen Bell had no receptions in this game. That is unacceptable. That cannot be happening. And again, I'll get into that a little bit later. Austin Stogner, however, was more of a focal point in the offense this past Saturday. He had five catches for 68 yards, We've managed to get some more targets to 
him, which was great to see because Stodner is a solid receiving threat for a guy his size, and we have got to find ways to get him the ball. We need to, in my opinion, include some more formations where him and Jaheim Bell are lined up almost right next to each other. And again, make defenses have to basically pick their poison. Do they want to try to cover the big, rangy Austin Stogner, or do they want to cover one of the best athletes at tight end in the country in Jaheim Bell? I don't think we're doing that enough right now. we got to find ways to get these guys more involved, especially Jaheim, which again I'll get into later. The offensive line, listen, for all of the criticism that got thrown at him this past week, there had better be some positive feedback for the offensive line from some of these fans this coming week because these guys played their tails off in this game. I thought that this offensive line did a great job of giving Rattler clean pockets. They gave him plenty of time on multiple occasions to throw the football. And when you consider the amount of passing plays that was called this past Saturday, makes it all the more impressive what this offensive line did. Arkansas's D-line, again, they're physical. They are really hard-nosed. And they're all power in terms of bull rushing. But those guys have no real finesse moves, which if you're an SEC defensive lineman, that can only carry you for so long. And that got exposed in this game. Offensive line, I thought, did great in that aspect. Run blocking, still could do a little bit better there. Again, I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. And then in terms of situational play, the offense was 3 of 10 on third down in this game, making them 6 of 24 on the season for a 25% conversion clip on third down. That has got to be better. You can't just be converting third down on one out of every four attempts. That is how offenses like Arkansas are able to take the ball, pretty much hold it, and then dictate the tempo of this game. That cannot be happening. That doesn't help out your defense. You have got to convert more of those third downs, period, end of story. We've got to find a way to extend these drives a little bit further. Again, thought we did better in that aspect this past weekend, but there's always ways to get better in that area. So those were my overall thoughts on the offense from the Arkansas game. Now, what were my thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I've got a few different things that I want to discuss with them, and I'll talk about them in just a couple more moments. But before I do that, I do need to pass along a quick message from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, who again are the sponsors for today's show. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest app to play where you can spice up your college football season experience. The thing that makes Underdog Fantasy different from all of the other fantasy apps out there is the amount of focus and attention that they have put towards their fan user experience. I was able to go on their app and navigate between all the different pick'em options that they have, not just for college football, but also for a lot of professional leagues like the NFL, Major League Baseball, and much more. But if you don't want to take my word for it, then take Mark Cuban's, Kevin Durant's, and Adam Schefter's word for it as they have all personally invested their own money into Underdog Fantasy. The best part about joining Underdog Fantasy is that when you sign with the promo code Locked On today. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, meaning if you deposit $100, Underdog Fantasy will match that total for free. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app on the App Store or in the Google Play Store. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks 
every single day. All right, so I've talked about the offense a little bit and what I thought happened on that side of the ball this past Saturday against Arkansas. So now let's talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit. Overall, the defense fought their tails off. There can be no denying that. But they just did not make enough plays in the end, and they allowed Arkansas to essentially play the game that they wanted to play. And I'll explain that as we go through these position groups. So starting off with the defensive line, the pass rush wasn't good enough when they got their opportunities to go after K.J. Jefferson. Now, admittedly, a bunch of these passing plays that Arkansas did actually call this past Saturday were plays that were designed to get the ball out quickly, which, again, trying to sort of accumulate more fatigue in the defensive front because obviously the fact that South Carolina's defensive front already had a bunch of issues stopping Arkansas's rushing attack consistently was already wearing them down the worst thing that can happen in combination with that is for an offense to be able to get some quick passes going get the ball out to their playmakers and allow them to get some yards after the catch in which basically negates anything that the defensive line could try to do in order to stop the quarterback from getting the ball out And even when the Gamecocks defensive front did get to K.J. Jefferson, they were not able to bring him down. K.J. Jefferson obviously is a big human being, being listed at like 6'4", 240-semide pounds. He is not a small quarterback. He's certainly not as small as Darren Granger was for Georgia State. But South Carolina, quite frankly, should have gotten more sacks on K.J. Jefferson than they did this past Saturday. There was multiple times where there was multiple defenders that met K.J. Jefferson in the pocket. But K.J. Jefferson using his size, his strength, and not going down easily, kind of running his legs as much as he could, was able to break away multiple times from this Gamecock defensive line. And that hurt the Gamecocks on multiple occasions. The diverse run concepts that were run by the Razorbacks create some hesitation in this defensive front. They ran a lot of stuff like zone reads, some fake jet sweeps along with quarterback power, inverted veer, read options, some run pass options, a touch pass fake handoff, even a shovel pass was thrown out there. Arkansas threw the kitchen sink at the Gamecocks defense in terms of run concepts and varying up who was getting the football on different running plays. And that really hurt South Carolina's defense because they could not get a solid idea of sort of any real solid tendencies. They didn't know if, you know, this wide receiver that was screaming across the backfield on a motion was going to get the ball. They didn't know if the running back was going to simply get a handoff from K.J. Jefferson. They didn't know if K.J. was just going to keep it and run or if he was going to keep it and throw it. You probably are already having a headache right now listening to all the things that I'm throwing out there. And that's the point. Imagine what those guys had going through their minds during the ball game. It really had an effect on them. And when you also take into account how long these drives were for Arkansas at times, you could see how this wore South Carolina down up front. They also included tempo. And they didn't just run tempo just for the heck of it like Tennessee likes to do. They actually were selected with when they ran their tempo part of their game, which also really hurt this Gamecock defense. So, Needless to say, the D-line just flat out got gassed in this game. And it wasn't all on them. And again, they continue to fight all the way to the very end. But you're not going to get a victory just by giving a 1,000% effort, unfortunately. So, looking at the linebackers. The linebackers, in terms of the running game standpoint, 
also had their poor tackling attempts. There were some times where Sherrod Green, Muhammad Kaba, quite frankly, all the linebackers had a bad moment in terms of trying to bring down the ball carrier. And I should say this. While the Gamecocks had some tackling issues in this game, it wasn't all on them. K.J. Jefferson and Raheem Rocket Sanders both did a great job of being patient and getting themselves into some open space and giving themselves chances to get those extra yards. I severely underestimated the ball carrier vision of Raheem Rocket Sanders. I was very impressed with the times where the Gamecock defense actually had him cornered near the line of scrimmage, and Raheem Rocket Sanders would legitimately just stop look for about a half second, and then would take off finding just a small enough space or just the smallest of cracks in the line where he could just take off. And the next thing you knew, instead of tackling him at the line of scrimmage, he got six, seven, eight yards. So no, he doesn't just have speed and power. He's also a very intelligent back who knows how to get those extra yards when things are looking bleak. KJ Jefferson, again, just an absolute load to bring down and also very athletic and shifty for a guy his size. So it wasn't all on South Carolina's defensive front, but obviously them not being able to get off the field made things significantly more difficult. When looking at the DBs, they were victims of this heavy run strategy in their own right, because here's the thing. If an offense like Arkansas is having a ton of success in the running game and they're just running the ball over and over and over again, they're keeping things simple because they're basically lining up and saying, listen, we don't think you can stop us three straight times on rushing plays. The DBs eventually have got to start creeping up because they're just going to have to start assuming, hey, run's coming. So we got to be there in the box. We got to be close to the line of scrimmage and we got to help these guys out. Well, this opened the door at times during the game for some passing opportunities, which Arkansas did take advantage of. They took advantage of some RPO-type plays. They took advantage of some quick one-cut routes over the middle or near the sidelines outside the numbers. And they eventually hit a deep touchdown in the fourth quarter that I believe was around 30-some-odd yards because of the amount of running plays that they had run consecutively prior to that. So, needless to say, again, the DBs, I don't really want to say that everything that happened in the game was because of bad play on them. Arkansas just had the perfect game plan. Again, a simple game plan, but they understood their personnel. They utilized them to their full potential, and they relied on their strengths. And South Carolina just was not able to slow them down enough in this ballgame, and it ended up having an impact in all three levels. There was one big bright spot in the secondary. I'm going to tell you all right now, Nick Emmenwery is that dude. He is that guy. This true freshman is an absolute stud. And I'm going to be honest. I've heard that RJ Roderick might be able to come back for the Georgia game. At this point, I see no reason why Nick Emmenwery shouldn't be starting over him. I know that RJ Roderick's a six-year senior. I know he obviously has a ton more experience than Nick Emmenwery. And I know, especially in the running game, he can provide a ton of benefit to this defense. But Nick Emmenwery, for a true freshman, he does not play like one. He is instinctual. He is rangy. He's got speed. He is physical. He's got length. He's got about everything you could want in a dominant, free-ranging safety. He just does. And at this point, in my opinion, I feel like it would be detrimental to this defense if number 21 is not out there starting at safety. He had 11 tackles in this game. And an example of just how good he is. There was a third down and three on Arkansas's first drive, I believe. They were basically near South Carolina's goal line. It was around, I believe, the five or six-yard line where they were lined up. 
KJ Jefferson fakes the handoff going to the left and ends up doing a wide receiver sweep, essentially. I believe he gave the ball to Jadon Hazelwood, who went to the right. And Jordan Birch and Nick Evanworth were basically the two guys that had a chance to potentially get there. Birch, however, just did not have the right angle. He was too far away for his pursuit angle to where he could not catch up to Jadon Hazelwood. But Nick Evanworth ran up, met him right near the first down marker, and drove him down to the ground and prevented him from getting the first down, forcing Arkansas to have to convert a fourth and short situation near the goal line. Yes, Arkansas still managed to score on that drive, but that's just a perfect example of the kind of impact that Nick Emmett-Worry has already had with this football team. So, again, point being, he needs to be starting no matter what the case is with R.J. Roderick's status at this point. I am a full believer in that. I think there's a chance he could be a freshman All-American by season's end. I think that he is that good. So that was my thoughts overall on the defense. Again, I thought the defense played their hearts out. And in some cases, it was more so what the offense and offense coordinator was doing than what the defense and Clayton White was doing. It wasn't just all bad play. Do not let the scoreboard and box score fool you whatsoever. Arkansas just flat out executed their game plan to perfection and it had a great permeating effect negatively on South Carolina's defense. So what were my thoughts on the play calling overall on both offense and defense and what are my initial thoughts on the Georgia matchup that is coming up this Saturday on September the 17th? Well I'll discuss all that in just a few moments but first I do need to talk to y'all about one of our sponsors in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the official college football recruiting sponsor of the Locked On College Network, and they provide a ton of help to people who are trying to find employees. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. They've made it easy for me to make connections with other graduates at the University of South Carolina. And when you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in just minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. It's a lot of people to reach out to. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps you to find the right people that fit the job description to AT. Using tools like screening questions to help filter through candidates and populate viable choices for the job. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that nearly every week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free Today, terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this special game recap edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so real quickly, I'll give some of my thoughts on the play calling from this past Saturday's game against Arkansas. And then, lastly, I'll give some of my first initial thoughts on this upcoming matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs. So, with the play call from this past Saturday, defensively, I thought that the play calling overall was fine. I mean, pretty much the play calling that I would have expected Clayton White to dial up against an offense like Arkansas's. And again, 
a lot of that play calling is going to just rely on the players being able to make plays at the end of the day. And, it, you know, like I've mentioned already on this show, that worked at certain times, and it also did not work at other times as well. Unfortunately, the latter happened more often than the former. There is one thing that I would have wanted to see more out of Clayton White's play calling, however, and that was the five lineman set that we showed a little bit on Arkansas's first drive of the game, and I just didn't see a whole lot for the rest of the game. Of course, it was a goal-to-go situation there for South Carolina's defense trying to defend their end zone, and so it's pretty understandable why that was a particular situation where Clayton White decided to bring out that defensive look, but with Arkansas's offense and the rushing attack they were bringing into this game, I said this last week, I feel like that that was a game where you really need to sell out on the run. And if that meant that we saw more five down lineman sets or more five lineman sets against Arkansas, so be it. Put seven defenders in the box. Because this is an issue that I have with Clayton White's scheme. Clayton White's scheme is obviously a base 4-2-5 defense. And while that does not mean that, of course, they're running nickel the entire time throughout all of these ball games, obviously... When a defense like that faces an offense like Arkansas, where they have a lot of big guys up front, where they're going to test you by running the football over and over and over again. they got good tight ends. They can run some 12 personnel, maybe even some 13 personnel, like Georgia is going to probably do this next Saturday. That, schematically speaking, is a nightmare for a 4-2-5 defense, which is probably a little bit smaller, at least on the back end, and is trying to get more athletes on the field to cover the passing game, that could put that kind of defense in a real bad spot. So I feel like that this defense, we've got to have some kind of 4-3 set or 5-down lineman set for these heavy run offenses. And again, we saw a little bit of that. So it was good to see that at Clayton White from this past Saturday. And again, I think he called the game otherwise about as good as he could have for the situation that this defense continuously was being put in. But Obviously, I do think that that is one area where we could see some improvement in terms of sort of the schematic strategy from Clayton White's defense. So moving on to the offensive side of the ball in terms of play calling, I also thought Marcus Satterfield called a good game. There were a couple things, however, that I want to point out. And one thing that I think needs to be run more in the future in terms of a run blocking scheme. Firstly, we only ran the ball twice in the first three drives. Two times in 14 total plays, both of which went to Jaheim Bell. That led to Marshawn Lloyd being infuriated after the third drive, which was mentioned live on ESPN's broadcast of the game. The next drive, we subsequently saw the Gamecocks run the ball every single play, 10 plays, and drive all the way down the field and score a touchdown. That's obviously, from an optics standpoint, not a very good look for Marcus Satterfield. Now, Shane Beamer mentioned postgame that... They were trying to take advantage of what they thought was a suspect and battered Arkansas secondary, which for that reason, I can understand why you would throw the ball more in this kind of game. But South Carolina choosing to start running the ball or prioritizing it more on the fourth drive of the game in the second quarter, where at that point you're down 21 to three. And if there's ever a point in time where you probably shouldn't be running the ball as much, it's when you're down more than two scores. In this case, we were down 18 points. That's not the time to start prioritizing the run game. And the fact that we did, and we were so successful on that one drive, says, well, shoot, if we had decided to run the ball more on the first couple of drives, would we have had some more success against this Arkansas front? Obviously, we'll never know at this point. 
But the bottom line is, you cannot fully negate one entire phase of the offense. You just cannot do that, even if you're trying to strategize based off of what you believe are the weaknesses of the opponent's defense. You've got to at least run the ball more to keep the defense honest. And it should not just go to Jaheim Bell, who I know is a very talented player. He's a fantastic athlete. I'm not saying don't give him the ball. But Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell need more carries, period. Inside runs, outside runs. I don't want to hear a word about people saying, well, they're too small to run between the tackles. They're not afraid to, of contact. I mean, those guys can't be afraid to go inside against some nose guards and linebackers in the SEC. Go and let them run. Let's see what happens. If it gets blown up, fine. Adjust off that. But don't completely negate the running game. I thought that was a bad idea on offense to start. And Again, by the time you decided to run the ball, we were down 18 points. So that's one thing I think that was a big mistake in that regard. Jaheim Bell didn't get a single catch. I know he got a couple targets, and he had a really bad drop or two, but we've got to get him more involved in the passing game. I know you want to give him handoffs in the backfield. That's totally fine. Again, utilize him to the best of his abilities. Put him all over the field. Make the defense have to see where number zero is. That is perfectly fine. It's smart on Coach Satterfield's part. It's extremely smart. But Jaheim Bell, in my eyes, is a receiver-first type player. He's a guy that needs to be running more routes and being given a chance to go get yards after the catch. I just don't think that that's happening much with this play calling right now. I think that it is not a great idea to let number zero get more handoffs than it is receptions. And I get the idea is, well, it's the easiest way to get him the football. That's true. That's extremely true. But... He needs to be out there in open space. There's not many defenders in the SEC that can cover that man one-on-one in open space, in my opinion. He's got to get out there more in passing plays. We also need to run more pin-and-pull design run-blocking plays with the offensive guards on this offensive line. I think that the offensive guards pulling, just to be completely honest and blunt here, are going to be better for us in the running game instead of the center or the tackles doing a trap block. I think that that would be way better suited for the guards Pin and pull was something that was successful in 2019, especially against, ironically enough, the Georgia Bulldogs that season with a lot of the same guys that are currently playing on this offensive line. I think we need to go back to that a little bit. I know that that might be more of a power run blocking type of pattern for this offense, and we try to run a lot more zone considering it's pro style, sort of block an area and sort of get anyone that's in that area to keep it in layman's terms. But pin and pull blocks need to happen more in this offense. If you do that, I think you'll see a lot more success in the running game against some of these opponents. So with that being said, I'm completely done with the Arkansas game. Not going to talk about it anymore on today's show. Let me talk about the Georgia game real quick. Obviously, Georgia's the reign defending national champs. They're going to be bringing a very talented team to Columbia, South Carolina this upcoming Saturday. They return a lot of people on the offensive side of the ball that were very pivotal for their national title win this past year. Quarterback Stetson Bennett, of course, returns for about his 17th season in college. You got A.D. Mitchell and Ladd McConkey out wide. You got Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Arik Gilbert. Basically a tight end room that is full of NFL players, to put it bluntly. An offensive line that is very physical up front and can basically 
both run block and pass block. So going to be just about as good in terms of their offensive line play compared to Arkansas, who we just faced. Their defense, listen, they lost a lot of starters on defense, but their defense flies around. They run, I think, more of a 3-4 multiple defensive front. They are very physical. They got great linebackers. They have a really solid nose tackle in Jalen Carter, who I think, quite honestly, is better than Jordan Davis was this past year. And they got a lot of talent in the secondary. They are kind of young in that group, but they are nonetheless full of four- and five-star talent. Georgia is a very good football team. They're going to probably try to test us in the running game on offense. Expect a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. I wouldn't be surprised if they just decide to basically lean on South Carolina's defense and expect them to fatigue and eventually give way, sort of like Arkansas did to the Gamecocks this past Saturday. On defense, I would expect them to be aggressive up front. I think that they are going to send a lot of pressure towards Spencer Rattler, see how he handles it, and test him to make good decisions. I, I, To be honest, I know that that's very simplistic, but I truly think that's what Georgia's going to do. I haven't watched a single bit of their Oregon or Sanford games yet. I'll be sure to do that and give more of an in-depth breakdown on Wednesday's show. At least that's the plan right now. But those are my initial thoughts on Georgia. Very good team. Probably the favorite to win the entire SEC after what we saw from Alabama when they faced Texas this past weekend. That was an abysmal showing by the Crimson Tide. So Georgia right now looks like the top team in the SEC. And I'll just say this, whoever decided the schedule for South Carolina's season this year from an SEC standpoint, that would be charged with a felony because the fact that South Carolina has to play Arkansas and Georgia in back-to-back weeks is just ridiculous. Two of the more physically imposing teams in the conference, and yes, South Carolina gets to play both of them in back-to-back weeks. That sounds completely, totally fair, but I digress. I can't talk about that any further because we are out of time on today's show. That does it for the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. So what were y'all's thoughts on the Arkansas game? Was there anything that I didn't mention that you thought really played a big role in that game? Was there anything that you would have liked to see differently in terms of a play calling aspect? And lastly, what are your thoughts about the Georgia game that is taking place this coming Saturday? What do you think? Do you think that there's a pathway for South Carolina to win this game? Or do you think South Carolina is going to have to play the game of their life in order to defeat the reigning defending national champs in the Georgia Bulldogs? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always down below in the comment section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, But, of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcasts daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And, of course, if you've enjoyed the Locked on Gamecocks podcast, but you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, then go give Chris Gordy a listen on the Locked on SEC podcast, where he talks with all the local team experts of Locked on and takes you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. So make Locked on SEC your second listen every day after, of course, the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all had a great weekend, have a great start to the work week, and a fantastic Monday. I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.